We're in the book of Acts, which is victory no matter what we are facing, no matter what's going on in the world. <laughs> boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. All right, things are heating up, right? And uh, no matter what's happening in our life, we can have victory through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right, the Holy Spirit's power. And today, the title is A Fight to the Finish, Legalism versus Grace. Legalism versus Grace, Acts 15, 1 to 21. And uh, you already heard the song that Matt played so well, The Battle of Jericho, which uh, is a great entry into this. And as you all know, Russia has started a war. Uh, it's, we're not sure where it's going to be. It could be the start of something really big. If you had a chance to listen to the Daniel Revelation series, you know what I'm talking about. Russia is going to pay, play a key role in the, in the book of Revelation, so pay attention. Uh, the U.S. is, is not. <laughs> we are not there in the book of Revelation. We may were part of the, Europe, the revived Roman Empire or something, but we're not the superpower anymore. But Russia is a superpower in the, in the book of Revelation. If you haven't listened to that series, you might want to get on your horse and get going because uh, you might miss it. Uh, what's, gonna, what's going on? Or it could just be another birth pain. This could just be another birth pain getting us ready for the big one. Uh, and once again, Mark 13, Matthew 24, that's also in that series. I did, did Mark 13, Matthew 24, then I did Daniel, and then I did Revelation. But they, we talked about the birth pains there, so this could just be another birth pain. We don't know, but we have to be ready for anything, right? And we're, we're not focusing on the news. We are, we are looking where? Up. That's where we're looking. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our, looking for Jesus' return. And uh, and set our hearts on and our minds on things above, as Paul said there in Colossians. Set your hearts and minds on things above. Right, that's the whole key. Whole key. War and conflict, sadly, are a permanent reality for the human race. Started with the first two brothers, and has been going on forever since. And conflict is also an ongoing challenge in the church too. Uh, we, we're going to see two big conflicts here in Acts chapter 15. And we're going to also focus on another ongoing war here, which jumps out on us. And that's between legalism and grace. That's an ongoing spiritual struggle throughout since forever. Legalism versus grace. Legalism is putting man-made rules on the same level as God's word. That's legalism. Man-made rules on the same level as God's word. But an even bigger problem, and this is even more dangerous, is that legalism, the avalanche of legalism, ends up burying God's grace. Grace gets buried under legalism. That's an even bigger issue, which we're going to see today in Acts 15. That was even a big problem in the, the first church, the New Testament church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. Thank you for everyone who's here or watching or listening. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us now. And if anybody has never put their faith in Jesus, never given their life to him, that today would be the day they would understand what grace is all about. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read the passage before us. <clears throat> Starting with verse 1, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. 
This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some of the other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem... They were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, flashing light, flashing light, right, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No! Exclamation point. No! We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling them about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon, who has described to us how God at first showed the concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things that have been known for ages. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we we should write them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times, and it is read on the synagogues on every Sabbath. Well, wow, here we go. So we see here in this passage that the Pharisees are stressing legalism. The Pharisees are stress the Christian, these are Christian Pharisees, are stressing legalism. Now remember the Pharisees battled Jesus when he was on earth. They battled him all the time. Remember, remember the song? Um, I don't want to be a Pharisee. You should remember this one by now. I don't want to be a Pharisee, because they're not fair, you see. I don't want to be a Pharisee. So they weren't fair to Jesus and they're not being fair. Even though they're, they're even though some of the Pharisees have put their faith in Jesus now. See, when Jesus was here, they were stressing, you got to follow the law. That's what saves you. And Jesus said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no. It's faith in me that saves you. And that was always the point of the prophets and the law, the law and the prophets. But, but some of the Pharisees had put their faith in Jesus, but they still had a lot of baggage. They still had a lot of baggage. Nobody here can relate to having baggage, right? But they, a lot of these people had baggage, you know? They had baggage, and they still weren't being fair. They still weren't being fair, the Pharisees. They want Christians, both Jews and Gentiles, to keep the law. 
They were stressing you had to keep the law to be saved. And this isn't the first time. Remember back in Acts 11, 1 to 3, with the Apostle Peter? Remember what he was dealing with? He, re- he refers to this in this passage. He said, remember, what I led the, God used me to lead the Gentiles, but what, look how they attacked him. And, and uh, uh, verse 1, the apostles and the believers throughout the Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went to the house of uncircumcised you went to the house, yeah, I did get it right, house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So they were attacked for, for not following the law. They weren't allowed to be with uncircumcised people and eat with them, right? And so this isn't the first time the church is dealing with this or the last time. Paul, all throughout the epistles, the rest of his ministry, he's fighting the, the, the Judaizers tooth and now. The ones who are saying you have to put your faith in Jesus and follow the law to be saved. Okay, it was his whole ministry. And these these legalistic Pharisaic believers said to be saved, you need faith plus keeping the law. And the the outward sign that this has happened, that you are saved and you're keeping the law, the outward sign of that is to be circumcised. The outward sign of true faith is circumcision. That shows that you're really saved. And this battle continues today, doesn't it? It continues today. There are some evangelical denominations that you know that that say you must put your faith in Jesus and be baptized to be saved. You know who I'm talking about. You know some pretty big churches out there say, yeah, you have to be baptized. You have to be put your faith in Jesus and be baptized because that's the new circumcision, right? And uh, and so that's what they teach. And, and and let's not forget the official Roman Catholic teaching. Not all Roman Catholics believe this, but the I know lots of solid believers, Roman Catholic believers. But but the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is you have to be saved plus works. There has to be set, you have to put your faith in Jesus. And good works. Faith plus works is what saves you. So we see even in the church today, the waters are very muddy, muddied by a lot of false teaching. So we see Paul and Barnabas, the first church here, Paul and Barnabas confront these Pharisees. And then not only do Paul and Barnabas confront them, but Peter stands up and and he said, and he was the one who dealt with it all the way back in Acts 11. He had already dealt with this and he stands up and he gives his opinion, verse 10. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the apostles? Apostles, a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. And he stresses this. He stresses this, that Jews and Gentiles are saved by grace, not keeping the law. And it always was grace. It always was faith. Grace and faith intricately same same intricate you could say grace or faith same thing intricately connected <clears throat> it always was by grace through faith genesis 15:6 with abraham and abram believed the lord and he credited to him as righteousness abraham was saved by faith by faith in what God had said. And what what did they specifically use from Abraham? It's his time all the way up till you know the time of Jesus. There was a lamb. A lamb. And they they would they would uh, take their lamb for sacrifice. Uh, every, there was different times, but say at least once a year they had to bring the lamb for sacrifice. And and that there's there's you, by 
taking your lamb and, and letting it be sacrificed by the priest, or in Abraham's time they sacrificed it themselves, they would sacrifice that lamb, and they were, they were by faith trusting God to forgive them because their sins were placed on that lamb. And the blood of that lamb was shed to wash away their sin. And they were, they were by faith, without even fully understanding, looking forward to the ultimate lamb of God. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who had shed his blood. And that they were always saved by faith. It was always in time. But over time, as the Jews were given the law through Moses, the Jewish leaders got mixed up over time, and they made it about following the law and good works. And by the time Jesus shows up, they reject him. Why? Because they were so focused on that. We're okay. We're keeping the law. We're following the law. We're perfect. And boy, did Jesus lay into them, you know, the whitewashed tombs, you know, and, you know, you hypocrites, you snakes, you brood of vipers. You guys are whitewashed tombs. You know, you're, you know, it's not about the outward. It's about the inward in the heart. And they had made it the law and works. And, and that's what happens. The flesh, our sinful flesh constantly gravitates towards works over faith, Right. That's what the flesh does. And, and it constantly gravitates toward legalism over grace. That's what the flesh does. Everybody does it. You talk to the guy in the street. Chuck with his ministry, right? You talk to him, you, you know, how, you going to heaven? Yeah, I'm going to heaven. I'm a good person. I do good things all the time. You know, they, they think they're okay because of their good works. That's what the flesh gravitates towards works over faith. And that's why it's hard for them to accept what you say, right, on the street, right? And, and, and it's all your friends and everybody, they all want to do, earn their way in, you know, the, the stairway to heaven. You know, going to walk it myself, you know, climb that ladder to heaven. And, and, that, and also legalism over grace. So then not only does Paul and Barnabas confront them, and then Peter does it, but then James stands up. And James was the brother of? Jesus, he's the half brother of Jesus, but you know, uh, Mary had other children. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's in the Bible, many, many places, and he's the half brother of Jesus. He didn't even believe in Jesus up until the time of the resurrection. He rejected Jesus. My brother's not the Messiah. He rejected him too until the resurrection. Then he, he became a leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he gives his judgment in verses 19 to 21, which I just showed my Bible. Uh, okay. Uh, he goes, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And so he, so he, he stresses this to them, that that's his judgment. And the council backs him up. As we'll see next week when we get into it, they're going to actually send a letter backing this up. They backed it up, up. And this was not a man-made decision. This council's decision, you know, uh, Paul and Barnabas and then Peter and James and then the council all getting together. This was not a man-made decision. Oh, you know, see, it's, a, it's not just a majority vote. This was the Holy Spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit was leading this whole process. How do we know that? Verse 28, which we'll read next week. In verse 28, it says, And it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Notice that? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And we're going to deal with that next time. They write the letter following that up. But the Holy Spirit was the one who's making this decision. Stressing that it's by, by grace. He, he's, he's stressing this, okay? And, and they decided 
it, not, don't make it difficult for the Gentiles to come to Christ or to follow him. Don't make it difficult. And circumcision would be difficult. <laughs> very, very difficult. You talk about a big ouch. <clears throat> and, and if you're not sure what that is, look it up. I'm not going to deal with that in the pulpit. But anyway. <clears throat> Men with their babies have it done. All right, that's as far as I'll go. And, and following the law, not only is circumcision painful, difficult, but following the law is, yes, impossible. It's impossible. God did not give us the law through Moses. He didn't give us the law to save us. He never gave the law in order to be followed so that it could save us. It was meant to show his expectation of perfection. The law shows his expectation that he is perfect and we are to be perfect. But it was was never meant so that we could actually follow it. It was to show us that we could never Follow that. We could never be perfect. That's why God gave it. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We cannot do it. That's why the law was given. And not only that, to prepare us, to show us we can't do it, we need grace. We need Jesus. That's why it was given, to show that we can't do it and we, can, we need grace. We need Jesus. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what it was setting us up for. The law was to show that we can't do it, that sin is death, and we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. So, Looking at it from that way, they just encouraged the the Gentiles to abstain from four wicked practices. Once again, in verses 19 to 21, it uh, it is my judgment, therefore, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from the blood. And he goes, instead of following the whole law they, and, and thinking that's going to save you, we're just going to encourage them. If they're really believers, elite, this is what they should definitely not do. If you follow this, you will be keeping the goal of the law, which was holiness. If you follow these, you're keeping the goal of the law, which is holiness. Like God, we were singing the song, holy, holy. That's what we're going to be singing in the book of Revelation. That's what we're going to be singing in heaven. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is God. And, and, and that, that we, they've got the song right from the Bible. And the, the, this is the whole goal of the law was to be holy and to be set apart. And, if, and he says, if you do these four things, you're going to be hitting the, the gist of it. The food sacrificed to idols was part of the pagan worship, pagan worship of, the, of that day and still today, unfortunately. And he says, stay away from that pagan worship. Stay away from that food sacrificed to idols. Then not only that, but sexual immorality, which was also a very big part of pagan worship. They would, have, they would go to the temple. They would sacrifice the animal. They would eat it, and then they'd have sexual orgies. It was just ongoing. And uh, it, it, was, it was widespread and accepted. Can you believe that? 
Sounds like our country, doesn't it? Uh, just like the USA Today. And then also meat, stra- strangled meat. Strangled meat, that's what the pagans do. They would strangle the animals, and then they would... Uh, but the Jews didn't strangle the animal. What did the Jews do? They cut their throats. And the blood had to drain out. They had to drain out. They had to drain out the blood. See the difference? The meat didn't have the blood in it. They had to drain it out. And, but the pagans drank the blood. They drank the blood. They didn't drain it on the ground. They didn't waste it. They drank it. But that was a big, big no-no according to God's law. In Leviticus 17, in Leviticus 17, verse 10, it says, I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood, and I will cut them off from the people. This is still for today, by the way. It, for the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to make you Make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Connect the dots. The Lamb of God. His blood that makes atonement. His blood. And then he gives a reason for abstaining from all four of these things. And he gives an explanation. Verse 21, he puts an exclamation on it. He says, For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. He makes that point. He says, "This what what we're telling the Gentiles to do is... It just confirms what has been read and preached in their cities for years. The Gentiles all had access to the word of God. Did you know that? And this is what had been preached. They've heard the word in their cities. They already heard it. And the whole focus of what they heard, I think, could be summed up in Leviticus 19.2, where it says, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Once again, the song we sang today. Perfect. Uh, God is holy. He's pure. He's righteous. Sin free. And he expects us to be the same. And the whole book of Leviticus is about holy living. But they they should have been able to go into the synagogue at any time if they're really seeking for God. And many God-fearing Gentiles did go into the synagogues. And they've already heard this read over and over on the Sabbath after Sabbath. They have heard this. And, And they're just confirming. These four things just confirm what they've already been hearing the whole time. They've been hearing this consistently. A lot of, a lot of, I bet a lot of you didn't even realize that. Did you know that uh, last time, last week we talked about general revelation? Remember general revelation, which is nature, the moon, the stars, you know, the sun, everything you see that that just tells us that there is a God. There is a God. Remember the stars? There is a God. But also now we see here, not general revelation, but what revelation? I think I heard it. Special revelation. This is special revelation. That's when that's what comes through God's word, through God's word. When God gives us divine uh, law or he gives his divine word, that's called special revelation. And God's word is available to everybody if they're really looking for it. If they're really looking for it. Everybody in America, everybody in the world almost now, now has God's word available to them if they're really searching for it. But in what 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 they're what in uh, in Acts they're talking about in verse twenty one here. What they're talking about is that every 
major city in the Roman Empire had a synagogue. Every single major city had a synagogue where the word of God was read on every Sabbath. If they were searching, they could get to the word of God. And Rome itself had 11 synagogues, 11 of them. And 50,000 Jews in the time of of Christ, 50,000 Jews lived in Rome. You talk about God sending out his missionaries. The word of God, God was preparing the way for the Messiah, for people to hear about the Messiah everywhere. And this, just, just wrap your mind around this. How widespread this this was. How widespread this was. I'm going to read you something from Voice of the Martyrs I, I read years ago. It said, The first Christian missionaries who went to China in the 16th century, 16th century China, found a synagogue in the state of Hunan and men who still had some knowledge of Hebrew. The Israeli state today accepts immigrants from there and gives them full rights as citizens. They know they're Jewish, Chinese. They're descendants of of Jews. And he also said that, uh, he said, uh, the interesting thing, this is Richard Wombrand, said the interesting thing is that these tribes are massively Christian today. Massively Christian today. Because they accepted the gospel very quickly when it came. Pastor Waifu died hung head upside down for smuggling Bibles to those of the Jewish descent like himself. He and other Chin and Mizo Christians are Jews received back by the Messiah in God's field, Israel. It's listen. God has made sure his word is out there for those who are really seeking him, as we've seen here in, in, the, in the book of Acts. God has made sure. I want to connect the dots back up to the, the dots of legalism that we were talking about, how the Christian Pharisees are stressing the legalism and how they stood up to it and how we must stand up to legalism, right? And how we have to stand up to work salvation and how we must battle by grace, Battle by grace. God's word. God's word. The God's word special revelation is very clear. From A to Z that we are saved by faith. And you remember when Matthew preached on, on we're saved by faith and, and repentance and two sides of the same coin. You can't separate repentance and faith. They're, 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 they're always together. faith is incomplete without repentance and repentance the whole goal is faith so but by turning away from sin and putting our faith in jesus we are saved by that faith ephesians 2 8 9 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is a gift of god not by works so that no one can boast we're saved by putting our faith in god's grace god's gift Grace means gift. God's gift is who? Jesus, death on that cross. We put our trust, our faith in his grace, his gift. It's very clear that we're saved by faith. But 
That doesn't mean that works aren't important. Verse 10, right after Ephesians 2, 8, 9, too often we don't quote far enough. In verse 10 it says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He just gets done saying how we're saved by putting our faith in God's grace, not by works. Works have nothing to do with it. But then he goes on to say, if we have done that, what is going to follow? Works, good works, because works works follow true faith, true grace, because they show that it's for real. It's for real. It shows that. And if there's no works, if there's no change, then it wasn't real. Wasn't real. I haven't told this story in a while. I remember when I was a kid, uh, and uh, you know, I remember I was—I can't remember how old I was, but I remember this happening. I was like three or four or something, and I remember ha- wondering what what's with these electric sockets. And I remember taking a pair of scissors, and and I and wanted to see what happened. I put a pair of scissors in the electrical socket, and I did it. I don't remember what happened after that, but I remember coming to, and my mom standing over me saying. Yeah, uh, she was screaming, you know, Chucky, what did you do? She knew what I did. Why did you do it? You know, I, you know, I was like, you know, oh my, you know, but, but she, she didn't have to come up and say, Chucky, did you put scissors in the electrical socket? She didn't have to say, How, she knew I did it. How did she know? Well, she could see, you know, I remember she putting salve on my hands and all this stuff, you know, you know, trying to get my hair to defrizz, you know, you know, try, you know, you know she knew. That electric, electric, strong electric current went through me. She didn't have to ask. And if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's power is surging through us, there's going to be a change. And if there's no change, that means no Jesus, no Jesus, no change. Right? Because the, the power of the Holy Spirit is a lot stronger than an electrical current. And people shouldn't have, you shouldn't have to help me. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I became a Christian. They, they should see it. They should know it. There should be a, a, a definite change. Works, good works, follow true faith. But immediately, even though this is taught very clearly in the Bible, immediately in the New Testament, the Christian Pharisees caused believers to fall back into works. Right away they started doing that. They started stressing, yeah, self-faith, but you have to have works too. They started teaching that right away. It started becoming a battle. And we're going to look at that next week. We're going to take a veer off for one week into Galatians 3. Read Galatians 3. Study Galatians 3. Get that locked in, especially the first eight, ten verses. And... And we're going to really dig into that, 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 uh, that, that it's, if it's by faith, not works. And not only, not only uh, works salvation, but legalism. We're going to deal with that legalism. We're going to deal with works salvation and legalism, the evil twins. I call them the evil twins. Works and legalism. All right, we're going to deal with that next week. But legalism was a problem in the New Testament church. It's been a problem in church history, and it's a problem today. It's always been there. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, uh, criminal behavior in Puritan England. This is Christian uh, Puritan New England. Puritan New England. Uh, this is criminal behavior in Puritan New England. To dance at a wedding, to conduct sporting events, no sports, for the poor to wear shoe buckles. For, to have theatrical performances, to perform religious music, <laughs> no worship teams, all right, uh, to celebrate Christmas, the Grinches, you know, they couldn't even have Christmas, 
This was, this was, you know, you get the point, right? It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it's still here. There's all kinds of legalism. There's plenty of man-made rules in the church today. I remember when I was a youth pastor. I was always running into a man-made rule in the church. It was unbelievable. I remember uh, I had a... I, I was putting together a youth room, and I got all these games I brought in, foosball, and I brought a pool table in, and we were all excited. And one of the dads came up and said, you have to get rid of that pool table. I said, well, why? It's for the kids. He goes, yeah, but pool tables are evil. I go, what did he do to you? you know? And he goes, and what do you tell me? He goes, well, when growing up, we always gambled with our pool tables. So, you know, we went to the pool hall, and we gambled. So they're evil. Pool, pool tables are evil. I said, people gamble on horses, too, but Christians have horses. People gamble on sporting events, but they play sports. You can't judge it because of what somebody did with it. You know, it doesn't make the pool table evil. And uh, anyway, I won the argument, and he got mad. But anyway, uh, it, it it it's just it it's crazy. I me- I remember growing up, and uh, when I was a youth pastor once again, and back in the day, <laughs> a long time ago now, and uh, the. The, we would have worship, and I would be involved in some of the worship stuff, and we'd use guitars. And the people would get really angry we were using guitars for worship because that's evil. Rock bands use guitars, you know. And I'd take them to the Bible, and I'd show them the, you know, the stringed instruments of David and in heaven someday. And they go, no, you have to use an organ for worship. It can only be an organ. And, uh, and oh, boy, I had some really... Uh, I lost some friends over this, but anyway, uh, but uh, but I I would show them articles that when the, originally the organ was called the pipes of Pan, worshiping the god of Pan. Mm. And not only that, it was organ worship was banned in the church in the Middle Ages, banned because it was the pipes of Pan. So I said, so if you're going to ban God's instrument, the guitar, you're going to have to definitely ban the organ. Well, we made a compromise. Anyway, we worked things out, all right? And even growing up, I grew up in a very legalistic church, and a wonderful church. I got saved there, grew there. It was awesome. But there were many positives, but they were very legalistic, too. I'm going to just use the name. Uh, they were IFCA. It was an IFCA church. Most of you don't even know what I'm talking about. That was independent fundamentalist churches of America. All right. We call it I fight Christians anytime, anywhere. That's how we call it. Uh, but, but, but there were so many unnecessary rules, and there's a lot of good. Let me, let me tell you, they've anchored and they've stayed silent in so many ways that other churches haven't. But what was negative was a youth, with the youth pastoring was it turned a lot of kids off. It, it, it pushed them away unnecessarily, uh, turned them off and turned them away because some of the rules just weren't really, they weren't in the Bible. You see, legalism... Legalism is living by a set of rules that are man-made rules, and you put them on the same level as the Bible. That's the problem with legalism. You take rules that aren't in the Bible, but you say, well, this is really important. You've got to do this if you're going to be part of our church or you're going to follow God or, or please God, right? And, uh, and the rules might have good intention. They might have good intentions, but so often they, they start out with good intentions, but they cross into legalism legalism like growing up there was i remember it was like no movies some of you might remember that if you grew up in you know the church there was no you couldn't go to the movies ever go to the movies uh no movies not even bambi no movies nothing you know you couldn't go to it now listen 
it was a good reason because, let's face it, even then, 90% of the movies were demonic. You know, I mean, let's face it, most of them are anti-Christ, right? They're unbelievable. You know, they're, they're, unhol- uh, they're unholy. 90% of the movies out there today are unholy. And we as Christians, you should not have any, shouldn't be watching them. How can we stomach that, right? We're Christians. But instead of saying, no movies, what we need to do is teach and practice discernment. Is this movie God-honoring? Would Christ Jesus, would he go into this movie with me? Because he's going to. Would we bring Jesus into this movie? We would sit and laugh at that movie with Jesus next to me. Guess what? He is there. He's actually in here, right? We should feel conviction. And that's, the, that's what we have to do is teach discernment, not no movies or none of this or none of that. We should teach discernment. And holy living, that's what we, we need to do, all right? But the re, even a bigger danger of legalism, even a bigger danger, and this is what I'm going to end with, is that we think pleasing God, we think if, we, if we're following these man-made rules that aren't even in the Bible, we think that we're pleasing God. We, we think, well, as long as I follow these rules that are in my church or in my circles or these legalistic rules, that I'm okay with God. We think that, right? And, and we miss the whole point, which is the heart. It's intimacy with Jesus. That's the whole point. Uh, and, and it's a relationship. We think it's all about these rules we've got to follow. And, and we miss it that it's a relationship. That's the real point of what it means to be a Christian. And, and, and as a result of that, we become like Pharisees, and we start to measure by externals. Yeah, our, you remember, was the hair short enough? You know, or what are we wearing to church? You know, what are we, you know, we, we, we measure by externals instead of the heart. We measure by externals instead of holiness in the heart. And that's the danger with legalism. So don't miss next week because we're going to really have some fun with this one. We're going to really hit it hard, but we're going to have some fun with it. And I think you're all going to really appreciate Galatians because it's a whole different way. Not works, not legalism, but the heart. And the result is real holiness, not just fake holiness. You know, just follow these rules, but real holiness. God's word is way beyond, holiness is way beyond legalism. So I want you to wrestle with those questions. As these, really, these two questions, two big questions. Are you saved by faith? Are you saved by putting your faith in God's grace? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The word believe there doesn't mean the intellectual. It means a heart belief. It means a deep, deep trust and dependence on. In, in, a, in a giving of one's total self to. That's what that word means. Have you ever done that with Jesus Christ? And, and if you have as a Christian, are we living by faith and grace? Are we living by faith? Are we living by grace? Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, wait, where did I hit there? My life, uh, the life, I've got to do this version here, sorry. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. We are saved by faith, and we 
live by faith. And boy, we're going to really have fun with this one next week. We live by faith. Are we living by faith? Every second, every minute, living by that faith. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Have you been saved by faith? Maybe it's your, the, the light has gone on. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You realize that you've tried to be good enough to get right with God, to be saved, to go to heaven someday by being good enough in some way, by following some kind of rules, religious rituals. But you realize today for the, maybe the first time really realize that we can only be saved by putting our faith in God's grace. You can only be get right with God by putting your faith in his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you re- turned away from sin, repent from sin, put your faith in Jesus, giving your life to him? putting your faith in his death on the cross when he, the lamb, shed his blood, gave his blood so that we could be have atonement, so that we could be at one meant with God. Have you put your faith in Jesus? The simple prayer of faith. God, I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. Everything in my life, the shame, the garbage, the sin. Everything that separates me from you, God, I repent. Please forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Your one and only son, I put my faith in his death for me his resurrection from the dead for me I give my life to Jesus Christ if you have done that really prayed the prayer of faith then you have just stuck your scissors in the electric socket. You have just connected with the Holy Spirit. That God is pouring into you this very moment. And your life will never be the same. I want to encourage you to commit to telling somebody. Tell me on the way out. Tell it the card. Tell a family member or friend. Let somebody know. So that we can be excited for you and help you grow in your new faith as a, as a brand new baby Christian, born again. For those of us who already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe we... No, we're saved by faith, but we've been trying to please God by human effort. 
We trusted him for salvation, but we're trying to please God by trying harder, doing it on our own. Maybe even following rules. May we become legalistic instead of focusing on holiness. Instead of focusing on a relationship. Letting the Holy Spirit fill us. Father, I pray that we would know what it's like to have a real love relationship with you. The kind of relationship that makes a radical change in our life. I pray that you would, this week, just keep bringing that to our hearts and minds as we prepare for Galatians 3, which is going to really drive it home. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.